Hello and welcome to the Browns Blitz. Today is Tuesday, July 12th. This is episode number 156. I'm your host, Rod Bloom. Joining me today is my brother, Jeff. Hey, Jeff, how are things going? Things are going good, Rod. How about down there? Yeah, pretty good. Still uh, still hot. Yeah, well, we, could, we could use some rain. You know, I was out trying to get some weeds out of the garden today and man, it is like a dust bowl. Yeah, yeah, pretty much the same here. I've been uh, trying to get out in the yard, and it's just, yeah. Um, it'll still be there. It'll still be there when, uh, yeah, whenever it cools off. I'm not sure when that's going to be. <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, we're uh, we're kind of in a, a dead zone here with the Browns, even though there's, there's always some things to talk about. Um, to join us tonight and kind of help guide us through a few of the things, and I'm sure we'll, we'll get into some fun Browns talk. Is uh, is Wojo um, Walter? I'm I'm probably going to say your wrong your last name wrong, and but you don't really go by that anyway. So uh, Walter Deptouch. Yep, that's correct. Yep, Man, yep, yep. I still remember it. All right. Uh, people can follow you at uh, Brojo Death Punch. Very catchy, and we went into that the last time you were on the podcast, but uh, where that came from, but it's, it's good to have you back, and I'm going to, uh, before we move on, I'm going to let you plug your, uh, um, a couple things, your, um, um, I know you're a contributor, and um, are you still doing your uh, your podcast? Uh, I still do, like, videos here or there on my own YouTube channel, and that's kind of, like, what my my other thing has been, is, like, it's YouTube and uh, the podcasting at DraftVice. And uh, that's been my own thing. I also contribute at Let's Talk Sport, which is uh, run by Don, uh, Dan David Harris, guy out of uh, the UK. Uh, he's been constantly just pulling people in left and right and very nice dude. Uh, I think it's now a year or two years I've been talking to the guy. And uh, I'm also on Face Off of Face Meyer on Thursdays. Uh, that's a radio call-in internet show and yeah, that's fun. And that's usually a lot more, um, Washington football fans, commanders fans. So I get, I get a nice little broad base of people. I'm in New Jersey, so I know all the Jets fans and the Giants fans and, uh, Dan's a Jets fan and he has people all, all the different, all different sports, uh, fandom on his shows. So, uh, but most of the stuff that I can, contri- like most of my personal stuff, if you're looking for things that I do. It's basically draft vice and punk law. And they're usually like it starts out like some podcasts and some videos and short clips and things like that. It's kind of that's just basically anything that's just me. That's just me being my stupid idiot self. If it says draft vice, brojo death punch or anything like that, that's me. That's just me. Like, all right, I'm 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 categorizing it under this name or whatever. But uh, yeah, I, let's talk sports. I'm on there every Friday. Um I was doing articles for some website or during draft season, but I didn't see anybody else doing articles for them. So I was like, okay, I, I feel like I'm the only contributor. I don't know what happened. <laughs> That'll put a stop to it. <laughs> it was fun. I got to talk about Traylon Burks and and uh, and Drake London and all the fun wide receivers this year until like I was like, okay, I feel like I'm the only person writing for this website. What's going on here? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, other than that, it's a great hopping on here again. Uh, it's probably been a year since we talked. I know, like, I think yeah. we talked before and after the draft, I think, last year. I think you were on my show after the draft. I might have been on your show before the draft. That sounds about right. Yeah, yeah, so it's been so a we while. Got, 
We got yeah. to have our uh, shared, uh, you know, the excitement over uh, Jeremiah Wusukoromoa and everybody being excited that he was drafted in the second round when people were willing to take him in the first. You know, that was, uh, that was. I think I was, uh, you, you had uh, expressed the opinion that that was the first time in ever, like, you thought that there was a second round pick that everybody was universally happy about for the Browns. <laughs> um, I would say, yeah. Yeah, I would say so. And, you know, in my my hope what going into this draft was that we would have a second round pick that would excite people just as much. And you know what? We didn't have to worry about that because we're right. second round pick. So so everybody's yeah, yeah. Um, you know, uh, the draft uh the draft was uh a little different, you know, with um with uh, the Browns trading down and, and you know, and drafting a bunch of guys that can, we'll kind of see what happens. I think, um, you know, I think people probably like some of the guys and kind of wait and see on a lot of the other guys and, and um, we'll see what happens. But um, yeah, it was definitely an interesting draft this year. Yeah, they had to replace the the loss of a first round pick with like multiple like mid round picks. So I, I felt like people were kind of okay with Perry and Winfrey and Drake Bell. I think those were the two that most people knew their names and went in there and said, "Okay, I like these guys." You know, they I don't know if either of them will be true stars, but I think both of them will be contributors. You know, the interior D line's got a lot of question marks on it. It's a lot of okay, you know, it's time to shine there, but. You know, that's what happens when it's like, okay, we trade away a bunch of first round picks. We have a lot of money tied up in a lot of position groups now. War got an extension. Garrett's been extended. Chubb's been extended. They're talking about extending Kareem Hunt. They trade for Amari Cooper. And of course, the big number at the quarterback position with Deshaun Watson, it's, hey, you know what? We got to get contributors. And, you know, maybe they looked at a guy like John Mechie and said, well, what's he going to do for us? at this spot that maybe if we trade down to the third round and got a couple extra picks, maybe those other guys will help fill in those holes. It's kind of more of a probabilities game at that point. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with you. So, uh, so it, it's, it's good to have you. Good to have you here. And um, you know what? I think we'll get back to, uh, we'll get back to some of those draft guys a little bit later and some of the additions to the team and maybe talk about some rooms and so forth. Um, we have uh, we have uh, talked the Deshaun Watson thing to death on this podcast. Um, probably no more than anybody else has, uh, because you know uh, Jeff and I have have kind of said, or at least I have said that I'm not a lawyer. I'm not going to try to be a lawyer, and that you know I've really not paid attention a ton to the to the case itself and tried to figure it out myself from a legal standpoint because that's simply not what I do. Um, I've kind of left that to the experts and, um, you know, but we're, we're at a different spot now where we're just kind of waiting to see what happens um, following, you know, following this, following the hearing and see what uh, Judge Robinson comes back with. But, uh, but Wojo, you actually are a lawyer. I have no idea what kind of law you practice or anything, but um, um, not that you're, not that you're going to, um, have any particular insight as to what the decision, final decision is going to be. But um, I thought we'd just, uh, you know, give you a, a little time here to talk about your thoughts on um, the actual hearing and the fact that um, the judge is reportedly using only four 
of five cases that were presented to come up with her decision and has kind of taken her time with it and has taken um, what uh, I'm forgetting the term, but has taken written notes from both sides, um, you know, and, and is now just going by her schedule. Just kind of what you think that means versus our first thoughts that, that this was, you know, looking at all the cases and everything. And um, I'm just going to turn it over to you because me talking law, just I, I'm just going to sound more and more stupid the longer I go. I mean, I'll be honest. I don't think anybody knows what they're talking about with uh, when it comes to it. Even the people who have some sources and some insight, because this is a new process, I don't think most people really know what's going to end up happening other than Sue Robinson. Um, I I was a little shocked to hear they were only presenting four or five of the cases. Uh, but I don't know. But we still don't even know how that's being presented, right? We don't know if the other 12 or 24 are going to be able to be taken into account. We know they spoke to 12 women, um, that they're presenting four. Or there was allegedly going to be five of the cases they were presenting. Some of them they left out. Uh, I don't know if, like, they're just not presenting any facts to the other 24 at this point. That's what it sounds like. Um, I thought the case four would have been you just give her all all the information you have of the 24 and it's you know because again this isn't the same thing as a criminal trial it's not the same thing as even a civil trial their evidentiary uh uh they're allowed to use hearsay they're allowed to use things that wouldn't come in on a civil trial they're allowed to use things that aren't going to come in on a criminal trial there isn't a uh, right to uh, address your accuser in this kind of a situation which, like, there's a reason why we have that in criminal cases. There's a reason why in civil trials we don't allow for hearsay evidence, except for the 20 exceptions uh, that come in under the rules of evidence. Um, yeah, so, you, you know, people will be like, hearsay, and then, like, there's 28 exceptions. But, uh, which is the weirdest thing about evidence is everybody's like, hearsay can't come in, but here's all the ways you can get hearsay in. But uh, it was... With this, I think everybody's just speculating. It could be zero games. It could be 100 games. I don't think anybody will know. Uh, I think that she's taking it very seriously. I know I know she's previously a judge. Um, I thought the thing, I thought the big selling point on it was if they had spoken to all 24, which they didn't. We don't know why they didn't speak to all 24. We don't know if the other 12 didn't want to speak to the NFL if the other 12 came out at different times, if the fact patterns weren't strong enough for the NFL to say, we want to use those fact patterns to go ahead uh, to, to move forward with a case against Watson under the, uh, under the disciplinary protocols. It could be that they were duplicative. They were just like, it's too, you know, like you, if we presented all this, it might look like we're being pedantic or it shows, or the other end of it is it shows that there's a pattern of conduct. We don't know if any, you know, all those women would have spoken to the NFL. Maybe some of them didn't want it. Maybe some of them said, like, listen, we just want our civil case. We don't want him to lose his, you know, livelihood. We uh -huh. just think he should. And that's actually kind of like the reasons why, you know, some of them might have only filed civil cases and not criminal cases. There was only 10 of them that filed, I believe, criminal cases. Actually, it was only eight of Busby's clients, and there were two that were not uh, related to the civil cases that, that filed criminal complaints. So, I think there are some of them that might be like, listen, we think what he did was wrong, but maybe not to the point where we want him to be, you know, completely, you know, 
kicked out of the league or suspended for multiple years. Then there's the aspect of, well, if he's suspended forever, he, he's not going to pay off and he's not going to pay you to, to leave either. So it's kind of, there's a lot of mixed, like why did the, you know, why they only speak to 12 versus 24 and why they pick these four or five. And I, I think at the end of the day, it's going to be what it is. It's kind of like, it's one of those things of, we will never know. So it's kind of a pain until there's an arb- until there's another proceeding where it all comes out until it gets filed in court and then more stuff comes out. All the leaks that we're hearing, you know, from uh, pro football talk and Josina and from the the people who are kind of closer to the situation, they're getting it from a specific source. Some of them mm-hmm. from league sources, some of them from you know the agents. You know, it depends on who we're hearing it from. I don't, you know. I don't know what that gives us. You know, I think Josina has been more of an agent, you know, has a lot of good agent connections. It's usually like if she's talking about something, she's usually come from the player side. Sometimes also some very good contacts inside the league as well. Uh, she definitely has people inside the Browns organization and other organizations that she's friendly with. So I'm very, you know, uh, but it, I'm not sure where, where all of it lies. Um, that's basically to say I could be the most experienced lawyer in the world. I still wouldn't be able to tell you anything about this case as far as the, the disciplinary hearings with the NFL, because it is so new and it's all kind of under lock and key right now. I could give you more insight on the other stuff, the criminal stuff, the civil cases. I could not give you any kind of insight on the on what's going on in the disciplinary hearing because it's it's kangaroo court. They could do whatever they want. It's it's a CBA and they got to decide what the rules are. It's their game of Monopoly, not ours. And being that this is a new procedure, do you think that uh, do you think that she's going to be using um, or, or looking back at prior uh, suspensions and the way prior uh, um, disciplinary actions were were used at all? Um, you know, against players in other situations. Or do you think, I mean, it, I just I just wonder if, if this is just like a completely new starting point and I mean, everything else is thrown out the window. I mean, she's probably going to go by precedent because that's what judges do is they go by precedent. Um, you know, but we don't I don't know what the directive is from the league from on her. And we don't know what you know, what she was told when she took on this job, which is, well, hey, true. you're going to you're going to apply the precedent that's been applied in the past. You're just now the arbiter of justice. Uh-huh. You aren't like her. I think really what her job more or less is, is to decide whether or not it happened. Right. Because remember, the NFL can only appeal whatever the punishment is. She has to decide that he did something wrong and then they can appeal it and, and give him more games. And essentially it's whatever punishment they want to give him is, is their appeal process. So in reality, yeah. her job is to decide whether or not it happened. She's the arbiter of, she's, she's the fact finder. She's not the, she's not the punisher. She's the one that decides, did it happen or did it not happen? And so I think everybody's sitting there wondering about how many games he's going to get. We don't know because we don't even know if she's the one who's going to decide it. We know that she'll give her recommendation, which will be one game, five games, zero, you know, unless it's zero games and zero and zero, you know, uh-huh. zero punishment. It, the NFL can turn around and say that's not strong enough. We're going to go for 16. We've also heard rumors that the NFL might not try to push it or fight it, but we've heard that both ways. We've heard one minute that they're saying they won't fight it, and we've heard other rumors that's saying like, oh no, they might they might actually still appeal it. So 
it, again, it's one of those things of no matter who's telling you where the you know where their information's coming from, we all just really don't know. It's it's Goodell's yeah. world. We're just living in it. It'll be interesting, other other than zero, to see if there is, um, you know, to to think about whether there is a number of games to where neither side would appeal. And I kind of doubt that there is. <laughs> Somebody's going to be unhappy no matter what. <laughs> That's my thought. Yeah. Well, I, if I'm Deshaun and I only get six, maybe I'm okay with that. If I'm Deshaun and I only get eight, maybe I'm okay with that. Now the other now the question comes down to maybe the NFL's not okay with that. Maybe the NFL's right. like we'll go harder. Maybe that's where people. You know, I know there were leaks out there earlier. If it's in the mid range, maybe the NFL won't appeal. I you know we'll see what happens. I think that it's really going to be whatever they end up deciding it, it again. It's, it's kangaroo court. It's like if Mickey mouse was the judge and goofy was the prosecutor, we have no idea what the rules are at this point. Yeah. And uh, you know, anybody who's opining on saying it's going to be six games, zero games or 122 games they're you know, they're, they they're guessing. I, I agree with you. I agree with you totally. This, this is really just about optics for the league. Don't you think? Oh, absolutely. But it's always been about optics. That was the Ray Rice thing was all about optics. Ray Rice was uh, suspended and then a video came out and then he was put on the commissioner's exempt list. And, right. you know, and then he was also kicked off the Ravens because the Ravens were like, you're a running back. We can live without you. So and that yeah. gave Justin Forsett a job and gave a couple of other guys opportunities. So it, it's always about optics. It's why Roethlisberger was suspended. It's why, you know, it, it's why uh, and those guys are on the field. That's what the face of the you know, they're. They're going to be there doing the interviews at the end of the games. That's I know a lot of people make the comparisons to Robert Kraft and Dan Snyder and those guys. And I do think that'll be, you know, Watson's argument. I just don't know how persuasive it is when they get to turn around and say, yeah, but those guys are owners. They they're not on the field every time. And they're not like you're not visually stuck with seeing them at the end with interviews. You're not watching them every week. So it's a it's a sure. different optics issue. Mm -hmm. Yeah, true. Uh, speaking about optics, did either one of you guys watch any of the? Uh, he's, he's not a Brown anymore, but the the Baker Mayfield presser today. I did. Okay, I I, I have to say I did not get very far into it. I just um, didn't have time before the podcast, but I watched uh, I watched a portion of it. So uh, so, what were your thoughts? I thought he was very cordial. Like I, you know, a lot of I, I I was I watched. It was funny. I watched that, and then. Even people who had been kind of hard on Baker were kind of like, ah, you know what? I kind of like he was kind of respectful, except for one person. Yeah. One person was like, uh, you know, I, I'm not going to name names here, but they were like, oh, he keeps on blaming other people for his problems. I'm like, I don't know who he blamed. I, I was still kind of confused by that. Um, I thought he did a good job. I, you know, what else yeah. are you going to do? Everybody's opening presser is going to sound good anyway. Like Carson Wentz sound good last year on the Colts. Uh, Matt yeah. Ryan sounds good now. Wentz sounds good now. Everybody sounds good in their opening presser. Watson sounds great in his opening presser. Baker Mayfield sounded great in his opening presser four four and a half years ago. That's the opening presser. It's it's the easiest moment for press you ever have because nothing's happened yet for you in that team. Right, right. No, I, I agree. I just uh, it, it was interesting. I mean, I, I certainly didn't think he was going to bash the Browns or anything big in his presser. But uh, he was definitely uh, very nice and, like you said, cordial. So um, 
So yeah, he's also entertaining. Yeah. He's got a very yeah, like he he's got a good stage presence. He's he's like he will absolutely have a job outside the NFL doing something where whether it's being on somebody's podcast or, or his like neighbor's podcast who's like the the singer or whatever. Or if he or he wants to go on to do something else and be like a commentator. I think somebody would pay him. I mean, like there's a reason why he got the commercials. He was a, he was a decent actor. He was oh, like, oh his uh, neighbor Alice Cooper. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I was talking about the other neighbor, the one that he was next to in Austin that he went on the with a mic something or whatever. Yeah, Is I figured you were a... talking about a real neighbor, and I was talking about the TV neighbor. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah I was I confused. I'm like, wait a second, Is he, was he neighbors with Alice Cooper? I'm like, that's so yeah. strange. No, and he's Hollywood in the stadium, and Alice, Alice Cooper's at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in the commercial. Oh, I guess right. they don't get the the progressive commercials in New Jersey. That's huh? a deep cut, man. That's a deep <laughs> cut. I wasn't I wasn't ready for a, a, you for probably a, don't a rock see, and roll yeah, you, probably, you probably haven't even seen that commercial in New Jersey. That's why. So sorry yeah. about that. But they play the crap out of those commercials here, but not necessarily yes. anywhere. <laughs> I mean, I see it's a lot like of progressive what? commercials. I I'm on like again. I've been on I've been on shows in Virginia, and they they talk about the progressive commercials, hmm. and they're like, we love his commercials over here. They dude, are you? That's the funny thing. That's if if uh, the Washington football team is uh, or the Commanders are probably kicking themselves that they didn't trade for Baker because they they trade a third round pick for Wentz. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like they're probably going like, wait a second, we could have gotten Baker for like a fifth or a fourth, and had the Browns eat more of the money than what we're paying for Wentz. Right. I, I would have went for that. Like, if I was Washington, I think a lot of the Washington fans are like, I wish we knew he was available. But they, I think Washington constantly makes bad decisions anyway. So. <laughs> yeah. Hence the ownership. Have... They have their own problem with it. They have their own optics problem. Yeah. 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 Uh, that was its own fun thing to watch. I can't wait for that. The, 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 his appearance before uh, when we get to watch his his fun little show on the, the sidelines of uh, that's the start of training camp too. I think. I think it's July twenty eighth. They announced he's actually going to go before Congress. So. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. I got uh, July twenty. 20- Seventh, first day of training camp. Um, closed practices the 27th through the 29th. First open practice is July 30th. So, so yeah, it is um, first uh, first practice is just over two weeks away, guys. Um, I know I, that hit me today. I was like, I can't believe we're almost there. I'm like, two weeks. I thought we had a month. Yeah, yeah, time flies. Um, you know, guys, I was thinking about this, and since we since we don't know what the Watson, uh, what the decisions are going to be, and what the suspension is going to be, I was kind of thinking about a little bit about team leadership, and um, just kind of what it might look like this season. You know, um, whether Watson is playing the whole season, uh, or playing part of it, or not playing any of it. Um, typically, you know, you're, you're looking to your quarterback for some leadership. Um, if he's not there, who are you looking to? And if he's there and he's been through all this stuff, are, are the Browns, you know, it seems like the Browns players don't have an issue with all this stuff going on. I think they're still going to look to him for leadership as a QB. But I kind of wanted to get your take on that um, and uh, where you think the leadership uh you know, um, obviously, leadership was kind of a, a little bit of a mess with Baker because he seemed to have it early. And then, you know, at the very end, it's like, um, you know, the talk was that uh, that it was not good. 
So, so Jeff, what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, I, I don't think there's a real abundance of vocal leaders in the clubhouse right now. Um, you know, you've got some kind of soft-spoken guys in Amari Cooper and Nick Chubb and um, a few other guys. So Miles isn't real outspoken. Um, so, yeah, you know, I think I think I'm less worried about certain guys stepping up and leading than I am that just there's a cohesiveness, a general, you know, happiness within the organization and mm-hmm. players feeling like they're on the same page versus this. What we're, what we're hearing is more of a split clubhouse in the past. So, yeah. you know, there's probably a few guys like, you know, J- JJ3, I think, is probably sort of a natural leader. And, um, you know, I think we'll, we'll see we'll see some other guys surface along the way. Um, but yeah, there's, there doesn't, there doesn't seem to be anybody that could naturally step in right now, um, to fill those shoes if, if Deshaun Watson's not around for a while. So it'd be interesting to see how that evolves. What do you think, Wojo? Um, anybody you see? I mean, I've always liked Kareem Hunt's kind of yappiness. Um, I don't know if that's going to lead to great leadership, but he's always an entertaining guy. Um, and sometimes that, that does lead to a little bit of a spark. You need kind of a mixture of, you know, that the, the hard rock, like soul of the team guys like Batonio and, um, and, and will Treader's not there anymore. So we got to see how Harris plays you know, if he's going to end up being the center for the start, you know, when the season starts, uh, it sounds like that will be the case, but, um, I you know I want to see how Jedrick Wills progresses. I don't know the only other guy on the O line that I felt like had a lot of energy and like fire to them was really Teller. We'll see how that goes. I you know again Teller's been very vocal and very and and very powerful on the field and very sometimes very entertaining. I remember that again that playoff game from two years ago where they're showing cutups of him and he's just screaming and it has all that energy to him. Like I said, you need that balance of of keeping everything going but also hey we need to get everybody fired up if watson's not there um it's gonna fall on Brissett, right it's got to fall on the guy who's everything's going to be going through it's kind um, of partially yeah i mean there's no more jarvis so you don't have him there anymore and jarvis was a big leader on that team mm-hmm. um conklin conklin's also very soft-spoken i feel like teller's a little bit more of the fire there again, I think maybe Kareem hunt, but Kareem hunt's not on the field all the time either. So, you know, wide receiver room, like, like you said, Amari Cooper is kind of very well known for being soft-spoken and not, not overly, uh, not overly boisterous. And I, part of the reason why I love the guy, I, I thought that was, I thought that was a steal getting him for, for practically peanuts. Um, yeah. that, that offense it's going to live and die by the quarterback uh, and maybe, you know, and Nick Chubb, Nick Chubb is a leader. Like he might not say a lot, but people will be like, okay, we're going to rely on Nick Chubb and, and see how he's going to keep on churning things out. And it's going to be him and Kareem hunt and Jacoby Brissett. If Deshaun Watson's not there, um, you know, Njoku's kind of got a little bit of a, uh, it has been, I, I noticed it last year. Njoku was one of the guys who was kind of like, you know, we're keep your head up kind of thing. Uh, if you watch some of the clips from last year where he was like on the sideline when he was mic'd up, he was constantly trying to keep people's heads up. Like, listen, man, I get we're losing, but keep your head up. Keep trying. You know, he was saying it to Schwartz. He was saying it to other guys because he remembers being on that 0 and 16 team. Mm-hmm. So 
Maybe Njoku's the guy who steps up. And, and again, no matter what, it's still going to ride through partially the quarterback. I think Brissett has a good head on his shoulders. He's got a, you know, he, he wasn't great in Miami last year by any stretch of the imagination, but people do like him in the locker room. You know, when he was on the Colts, you know, they tried to find ways to win with him on the Colts. Um, mm-hmm. He wasn't good enough on the Colts either. And that's why he went to Miami and then Miami, you know, I think. It, but again, we don't The thing with Miami was that they've never really been functional on offense. Now you have we know Stefanski can be functional as a play caller because we've seen it. I think he'll play to whatever Brissett's strengths are, which actually I think are much more similar to maybe Baker than he is to to um, to Deshaun, as in he's a better under center you know, quarterback than he is trying to take it out of the gun sometimes. So I'm I'm intrigued to see how Brissett works there. If he's going to if and when he's the starter, if they make any moves for anybody else. I don't know who else I can really make moves for anyway at this point other than Jimmy Garoppolo, which I don't know if anybody really cares for for that move. Seems like a stretch now at this point. Yeah, I, I, w- I was kind of looking at uh, potential moves only because I, I saw an article written by um, somebody out of uh, Green Bay saying that um, that the Packers should trade Jordan Love to the Browns, you know, based on the suspension. And I, I know if you bring out Jordan Love, everybody's going to say, no, 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 we don't want Jordan Love, you know. Um, <laughs> Because nobody, nobody really wants anybody. Because you know nobody's any good. Um, <laughs> I, <laughs> you're either so, first or last. That's it. It's uh, yeah, it's I know. I mean, he, he's not going to win us the Super Bowl. We don't want him. But um, you know, I don't know if the Packers would simply unload him or if they would want you know a bit for him anyway. So I, I and I don't know how much. How do you know? You have Jordan Love. Sample size is pretty small still. So um, how do you know how much difference there is between Jordan Love and Jacoby Brissett at this point? People are going to, you know, there again, people are going to say, you know, how much potential Jordan Love has and everything. But you're asking a guy to come in and play, you know, four, six, eight, 10, 12 games or something or or one season or whatever. Um, You know, how do you know how quickly he's going to progress? And, you know, what are you willing to give up for that? Um, You know, his salary is not not tremendous um you know it's, it's not that large it's guaranteed i think over the next two seasons from what i saw but you know it's not anything like jimmy g's would be this season um but man other than other than jordan love you know potentially you know <laughs> i was like looking at the free agents so i'm like you know i'm like i don't know maybe they could Maybe they could sign Ryan Fitzpatrick. I'll look up and, oh, he retired a few weeks back. So I'm like, I guess he's not coming to Cleveland. So, um, And there's no other free agent that would look better than Jacoby Brissett. There, there's just nobody else out there. No, and that's why they jumped on him. Is They they, they yeah. knew this was a possibility. They knew that, hey, we're we're moving on from Baker. We And because they were moving on from Baker, they moved on from Case Keenum. And honestly, like you kind of saw it last year. They were afraid to play Case Keenum. So if they were afraid to play Case Keenum, they need a guy who they're not afraid to play in the worst case scenarios. So they moved on from Case Keenum. And also part of having Case Keenum there is Case Keenum was Baker Mayfield's like best friend. Like it was like, I, I think it would have made it really awkward if they were moving on from Baker Mayfield and keeping Case Keenum because you have, you would still have that split in the locker room. And, you know, if you notice there was a lot of people who they got rid of that were Baker fans in the, on the offense, I think. And, mm-hmm. you know, not that, not that they didn't have to get rid of him anyway. 
it was expected they were going to get rid of uh, Hooper. It was expected they were going to get rid of Treader. It was expected they were going to get rid of Case Keenum. But it also helps that those guys were kind of like, you know, more tighter than not with Baker. It wasn't guys who were like, oh, well, we're upset with him too and we want we want Deshaun. It was guys who very much went to bat for him publicly. So I think when they made the move to go after Brissett, you know, that was part of the deal was they knew, hey, we're going to need somebody who can carry us through four to six games. I don't think they were expecting the league to be, wait a second, we think maybe we want to go for a year here or minimum. And yeah. maybe that was the miscalculation there. And maybe they should have drafted a guy in the third round or something like, you know, Malik Willis. But then again, like, what are you going to do? You're going to draft a guy in the third or fourth round to be your backup quarterback. Like could have taken Sam Howell in the fifth round or, you know, there were other options. Those guys weren't going to be any more written. They certainly weren't going to be ready. No. And that's, that's the other thing. Even if you drafted them, that's not going to help you anymore either. I think the only thing you're doing with that is maybe you are setting yourself up for the future of having a backup who is, at least in the offense now, whereas you're not going to keep reset there for more than one or two years. You might, and that at least by investing a pick in somebody you would have. Now there's always the debate of, you know, is it worth spending a mid round pick on a backup quarterback? I I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. I don't think anybody knows the answer to that. You know, a lot of times the, the third and fourth round quarterbacks turn into nothing. So, and it's because they're not, you know, they're worth about the paper that they were drafted on, which is not a lot. You know, the, Last time a third round quarterback played really well was Russell Wilson. You know, um, who's the other one? Maybe like uh, yeah, Dak Prescott, who went it was a fourth or fifth round. So you know, you had some guys that that pop up, but then then you have your own quarterback controversy there. I don't know. I think that that could have been that would have been the only other answer to to this Brissett Deshaun Watson situation. And maybe you could find somebody to be the the long term backup for Watson. It is what it yeah. is at this point. You can't change it. Yeah, so so Jeff, if you were given your choice, would you rather be going into the season with with Jacoby Brissett or Case Keenum as the backup? Would it <laughs> well, make any based, difference? Yeah, based on the lack of, uh, like Woods just said, the lack of confidence in Keenum last year, um, I would have to say Brissett, um, okay. even though, you know, again, his, his sample size isn't huge, but um, I think he fits the mold more of the, the type of offense that we hope to see out of the Browns um, and, and you know, can, can, can run a similar type of offense to what we hope to have with Deshaun Watson, you know, maybe not as vertical. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that's the right move. And, you know, off the field stuff aside, um, you know, just from a, a purely physical playing capability standpoint i think percent has more upside and he's more yeah. athletic yeah oh yeah that's yeah. kind of what you, i was you, getting at yeah yeah you can get away with a few more <laughs> they were using him on the um the the qb sneaks a lot of the time when rivers was in the was with the colts like they were like hey we don't want rivers doing qb sneak that'd right. be stupid let's just get percent in here just for this one call and you might have knew it was coming but still it's like okay you still have to defend it and Brissett was enough of a quarterback where even if they were going to run a QB sneak, you still had to defend every other option there. So Something, by the was, way, that we were absolutely horrible at the last several years, the quarterback sneak. Yeah, I, Baker's the one guy who I – I mean, I think it's just the um, – sometimes it's how you coach it too um, and, and being aware of it and where you're doing it. 
you know, you don't want a QB sneak. Oh, Baker got kind of like when they were using Baker on those kind of things, they started doing that that uh, that sweep out to the side, the Maserati call, which I liked better anyway, because you're kind of you're getting them out into space and you might be able to they're not always expecting that move. Um, the the QB sneak. So, again, like it's because Baker doesn't have that bulk either. Like and although I think there's a way of doing that where you, if you go to go, you're supposed to go low on that. I think sometimes he was just wasn't built for that maneuver. He wasn't low enough, yeah. Yeah. Going low enough, but yeah. But it also comes down to coaching. Like that might be something they don't coach very much, and that's that's the other end of it. Is a lot of times those little things are sometimes who you've been around that coaches that kind of thing. Like if you notice there wasn't a lot of RPOs in Stefanski's system the last two years. Um that's just because that's that scheme. That's nobody does that in that like they you know well not nobody they're uh shanahan all the people who run shanahan's scheme shanahan would do more rpos than anybody else who runs the shanahan scheme but um but typically the people who are stealing the shanahan playbook steal the play action elements yeah it you know it, it's going to be interesting i'm sure that it'll depend on the length of the suspension but it'll be interesting to see how how much they open things up for jacoby Brissett. Assuming that, assuming that he would be starting the season as the, as the starter, um, and some of that will probably depend on how long the suspension is, I would think. But uh, it'll it'll definitely be interesting to see what happens. Um, the uh, the first preseason game at Jacksonville is is a month from today, guys, August twelfth. So, so yeah, so we got fifteen days till training camp and a month till. The first preseason game. Um, let's uh, let's just uh, let, let's go over. Um, well, we we kind of we kind of hit on the draft. I, I think we we know these guys. Um, I was just kind of just kind of refreshing my memory because we've been talking about this other stuff. You know, it's been it's been Baker and Watson and and uh, you know and thinking about the running backs and a little bit about the wide receivers. And I kind of had to go back and look at the draft class again and look at the, the free agents that the Browns signed. And, you know, just to kind of remember, you know, the additions to the team and um, just kind of wanted to look at this real quick and then kind of talk a little bit about, um, since we hit on uh, some key players on the offense last week, Let's talk a little bit defense um, this week, and I think that um, I think it very well could be that if if the Browns are lacking leadership on offense, maybe that leadership pops up on defense. You know, I don't think you necessarily have to have your leadership on the offensive side. Um, you know, um, the, the players that, that get you fired up and stuff. You know, a lot of good teams have have those guys on the defensive side of the ball, and sometimes it works. Um, and again, not that you necessarily need guys to get you fired up. Uh, sometimes the coaches do that just fine. But uh, anyways, so um, the draft class. Um, yeah, I mean, we talked about uh, – David Bell, Perry, and Winfrey, those are probably the guys, you know, along with MJ Emerson, the guys who are getting the, the press along with uh, with Cade York. I think those are the guys who are probably expected to to contribute, you know, this season um, in one way or another. Um, you got to figure Jerome Ford's probably not going to to play a lot. And, and then um, it's going to come down to which of the, the defensive ends um, 
Isaiah Thomas, Alex Wright. Um, one of those guys is probably going to be in the rotation, right? Um, depending on, uh, you know, maybe they both make the team. Um, let me ask you, Jeff, do you, um, the Browns and uh, especially Andrew Barry have a history of, of having all their draft picks make the team. Do you, do you think that continues this, this season? He had nine draft picks. You think these guys were all making the team? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, you're right. It's it's sort of the the history. So um, it's hard to imagine that Andrew Barry drafted somebody, you know, that he doesn't think can make the roster. Um, that just makes you wonder about some of the the late picks from from prior years. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we've we've talked a little bit about Demetri Felton sort of being on the bubble. Um, so yeah, you know, I, I think Isaiah Thomas is going to be interesting to you know to see whether he develops enough this year to make the first fifty-three. But I, I think we're going to see him at some point. You know, hopefully they can sneak him on the practice squad, and you know he can he can work his way in at some point. Um, but yeah, those 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 positions, you know, there's there's a lot of bodies, and you know to to stand out. Um, you know, it's going to take some doing for him, I think, in training camp. Yeah, I mean, it's some people like Isaiah Thomas as much as Alex Wright, so um, so that's interesting. I, I, I don't think, think people knew a whole lot about Alex Wright. Well, that, that's probably true, um, but I think they're both. Uh, I think they're both kind of get the same look in in training camp. I mean, Alex Wright is is um, I'm just trying to remember because I don't write down. It's um, MJ Emerson was uh, was third rounder, so uh, Alex Wright was fourth rounder, right? No, he was so, also a um, third rounder. Was he also a third? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I don't yeah. have all those numbers written. <laughs> I can't remember. Yeah. yeah. Uh, when you got nine guys, it's hard to remember. Um, right. But uh, but yeah, so I what I'm trying to say is I don't think that Alex Wright is going to be given any preferential treatment over Isaiah Thomas. No, I think they both they both have the same burden of of you know needing to perform in camp but i, I just think yeah. they're they're different players from a, a physical makeup standpoint mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and how they will impact the game um i think alex wright is more of a traditional pass rushing defensive end where i think isaiah thomas lacks that bend and you know the the ability to get after the the quarterback um okay. like like the you know they're talking about ceilings here um you know, yeah. can can Isaiah Thomas develop that over time? Possibly, but um, that's just not what you saw from him in college. So, um, you know, if you're looking for somebody to really be that third or, or fourth, depending on, you know, where they play Chase Winovich, um, you know, behind Clowney and Miles Garrett, um, like Alex Wright has the physical makeup to do that, um, where yeah. Isaiah Thomas is more situational. I, I think uh, I think Chase Winovich is going to be the third defensive end. Um, that would be my thought. And one of these guys is going to be the fourth. Uh, what do you think, Will Joe? Is that how you see it? Yeah, I mean, they might. So I, I definitely think Winovich is going to be the third guy. I liked Winovich when he was coming out. He's a bit older of a prospect. And then he went to the Patriots and he had a good year. And then it kind of slipped off last year. And it seemed like this was their opportunity to kind of recoup some value for him as he's getting into the last year of his contract. Mm -hmm. Um, And they probably didn't think they were going to extend him. So I like Winovich. I think he's going to be a solid third guy there. 
He might be. I'm trying to think of who's the. Uh, he's not going to be as good. At, I think Claiborne was a bit better than him, but I don't know. W- Winovich can end up being kind of the the shocking surprise, um, and kind of the third guy to come you know, when they they do kind of the NASCAR package when they kick Jadavian Clowney inside. Mm-hmm. Um, Alex, I think is. I think Alex Wright's kind of locked in because third round pick is very hard to cut a third round pick uh, before camp. Um, so yeah, I think, I think, I, right, I think yeah. just from the contract element of it, he's very much likely going to stay, uh, at least for one season. You know, I think the last time a third round pick was cut, um, in training camp was Jakai polite. And that was a big deal because like, Oh, you were that bad of a pick that we had to cut you. You're a third round pick. Although I don't think this year's third round was as strong as some other year's third rounds. Although I think the Browns did get some good value in it. Um, you know, I'm curious to see if Curtis Weaver ends up actually doing anything. You know, I know he had some draft hype a couple of years ago. He's been on the practice squad. He's been hanging out. You know, yeah. PFF loved him a couple of years ago, and then he fell the fifth round. Was the Miami Dolphins guy? Then they waive him because of his foot issues. They were going to try and sneak him back on to the IR, and the Browns put a claim in on him. And then he's been there, but he really hasn't been doing much there. I want to see what happens with him. Yeah, this is his last shot, I would say, with the Browns. Oh, yeah. I don't yeah, I think this is basically make yep. or break. And then if not, he's on somebody else's team or practice squad come the start of the year. Mm-hmm. Um that's not too shocking though. That's kind of how some of that goes. He's a fifth round pick. So the fact that he was even hanging around for this long kind of makes you know, this is where you kind of expect him to be. Um I think anybody outside of those top four guys or um outside of the top five outside of Winfrey, York, Wright. Bell and um, Ford. And, I think and, you go down to Jerome Ford probably. Those guys are probably safe. Yeah, I think that'll be fine. Um, I, I I'm more in, I actually kind of intrigued by the guys who they sign in free agency who are like one year deals. Um, because I think you know outside of the handful of guys we just talked about that that I think that are safe, I think the other guys are really just competing for roster spots. We've now hit the point where. The Browns are trying to look at guys to see what they can be, to see if they'll stick on the practice squad, to see, you know, like other teams have had this. Other teams have a lot of picks that from the fifth to the seventh round that don't stay on the team after mm-hmm. training camp. It, yeah. It's been unusual for the Browns and the Browns have done it because the Browns have had a lot of higher round picks. They've had a lot of picks that are in the third and fourth round, a lot of positions that maybe they're like, oh, we're kind of intrigued by this. Jordan Elliott might be, you know, you know, right now they're talking about Jordan Elliott maybe being the the starter, but by the time we get to the end of camp, we don't know. Um, you know, I'm intrigued to see what happens to Tommy Togiai, Taven Bryant. It feels like we're not, we don't have a lot of um, girth in that interior area. Correct. A lot of very yes. slenderer guys, as I added an extra R's on the back of slenderer. But um, <laughs> I, I you know the D, the D tackle area. Sheldon Day played really well last year. I think he was kind of the 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 shocker for everybody. But I think that's the that was part of their calculation is that they're saying, OK, we're going to go a little weak on the interior defensive line. We're going to get rid of Troy Hill. We're going to bring in some young dudes. And that's part of, again, part of the the rubric for we're getting to keep Denzel Ward. We're getting to keep uh, Nick Chubb. We're getting to keep some you know, we're getting to bring in a guy like Omari Cooper and a guy like Deshaun Watson. Well, part of that is you have to make sacrifices. They picked certain position groups to make the sacrifices at. They brought back Anthony Walker. I think, you know, you were saying before leaders. I think defense gives you a lot more opportunities to be a leader. You know, 
offense is more of a one cohesive unit where defense can be a mixture of cohesive units where like the pass rushing unit doesn't necessarily always work hand in hand with the coverage unit. So you might have the, you know, the D line, you have Garrett, you need, you basically need a leader on all three levels. So you have miles in the, you know, the D line, then you have Walker, you know, as, at the linebacker spot, you have Johnson, you have Ward, you know, Newsom coming up and you have Greedy Williams who, you know, we'll see what happens with Greedy. You know, and you still have that level of depth from having him there for one last year. I think that that defense, we saw a lot of good from that defense last year. They brought back Ronnie Harrison, um, Delp it, you know, now two years removed from the Achilles. I'm very, you know, I think we're all kind of excited to see if we get to see what the final form of Delp it can be. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, LeCount, there was a lot of things kind of talking about, you know, his maturity last year and whether he can, you know, what what's his role going to be going into this year? Is he going to develop and take a step forward? What are they going to utilize him as? Um, what are they going to do at slot corners? My question, because they got rid of Troy Hill and that was the slot corner. I'm, you know, I look at the depth chart and there's not a slot corner. I feel as comfortable with as they did with Troy Hill. I think Newsom, they can kick into the slot. I think that's an opportunity there, but I don't know if that's necessarily always going to be the move. So I'm very intrigued to see what their plan is with that. Um, they weren't they talking about MJ Emerson, some at slot two. Um, I'm not sure. Um, Situationally, I think. Situationally, um, you know, yeah, I, I think, think he and he Newsom, and Newsom, is, both. Newsom is really the guy that's that's been taking the snaps there and 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 talking like that. You know that, that that's going to be his role. Um, and hopefully, you know, being a, a second year player, we're going to see a big jump from him, both from a, a play standpoint. I mean, he played extremely well last year, but um, let's see his his play continue to elevate. But I think he's one of those guys that's poised to be a leader back there, more of a vocal guy. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So, um, so I, I think we we kind of know who the leaders are at, at defensive, and like you said, Miles and um, I, I think uh, you know I, I think Clowney is kind of a leader, but he's not going to try to steal Miles Thunder. He's just not. Um, I think he just likes playing with Miles, likes being here. Um, so I think he's just going to be there and and. Uh, Hopefully, you know, hopefully we'll see a, another relatively healthy season uh, from Jadavian Clowney. Right. And, uh, you know, and those guys can do what they do. Um, the The interior is going to be interesting. Um, I don't have the list in front of me, but I know they, they signed uh, they signed a, a, a rather large guy at DT as an undrafted free agent. So maybe that guy's got a shot at making the team just because of his girth to use wojo's word i believe um <laughs> you know because because yeah. they do sometimes you need you just need uh guys like that um you know in those goal line situations and that man if you if you got a bunch of guys out there weighing 280 290 or whatever um then you know it, it's going to be tough but uh um well also i i feel like there's a strategy in that and keeping your linebackers clean it lets your guys play a lot more coverage we saw that um, I think the Giants had that maneuver a couple years ago. They had they'd signed Snacks Harrison. They had had um I can't remember the D tackle. Uh it was a uh they had I think they drafted Dalvin Tomlinson eventually too, but they also had they had a D tackle that they already had on the team. I can't remember his name off the top of my head. But they basically had four defensive linemen who could all play the run really well in J- at JPP, Olivier Vernon, 
uh, snacks and um, uh, I'm the, the the fourth name is out of my head, but he two guys who were traditionally nose tackles and they just played them to just eat up the gaps. And what it did is allow mm-hmm. the linebackers to play off. And okay, we weren't getting maybe they weren't getting as much interior push, but what they would do is they said fine. But we have good man coverage, right? We have Janoris Jenkins. We had, uh, at the time, they had, I think, Eli Apple, who was, you know, this is before everybody hated Eli Apple um, to a, a, a weird level of degree. But Eli Apple was playing okay, and they would just blitz Landon Collins all the time. And that's where Landon Collins looked really good for the Giants. I always I always kind of liked that strategy was keep your linebackers clean. Um, I think it was a year, actually, it was B.J. Goodson was there, too. Um, so I was always wondering if they were going to do a similar thing with BJ Goodson when he came to the Browns and they just, I, I, you know, then he went to the Texans and, you know, after the Browns, he was good when he was with the Browns even. So he was, was was the Browns leading tackler, I think when he was here. Yeah. So, um, and and Walker's played really well for them too. I think they've been, you know, you can scheme against the run and that's absolutely true. And if they get some very unique pass rushers that, if they get it down to third down and third and long, then I think it'll work for them. But we saw some weaknesses in their defense last year. I think teams are going to catch up to that. Um, you know, the Steelers were just chugging along against them on, you know, by just running through them with, you know, they had hippopotamus Ben Roethlisberger throwing the ball, who throws the ball like, you know, like my my two year old nephew now. But um but they had Najee Harris and they had the run of the line that their line wasn't that great last year, but they were chugging along and just shoving the Browns. You know, that was kind of noticeable and it's kind of worrisome if that's still going to be a problem. If their, their yeah. deep line is not getting better against it and their linebackers, you know, I, I love Jeremiah Wusukoromoa. He was great at blowing up those plays, but you don't want him. You don't want that to be your linebackers job. Like I get that their job is to read and react, but you're setting your guys up to fail at that point if the the D tackles can't win any of their blocks. And then yeah, it, right. it's just going to keep on being a chugging along contest. Yeah, I agree with you. So um, so linebacker guys, uh, you know, the Browns are, are going to play a lot of uh, um, probably 4-2-5. Uh, um you know, I, I think that's what they want to play a lot. Um, I mean, it's going to depend on the situation, but you know, um, on the uh, you know, if you look at the at the depth chart, they've got uh, you know, um, typically Anthony Walker and JOK listed. Um, Jacob Phillips, I think, is a guy that people are hoping is going to, you know, um, get significant playing time and progress. Uh, Taki Taki, um, you know, has been a guy who's played quite a bit over the past uh, season or two. Um, how do you guys see the, the linebacker room and who do you think, uh, other than JOK, who's going to be out there all the time, how do you see playing time for these other guys? Um, how do you see that working out, Jeff? Yeah, I don't see three linebackers on the field very often. Um, no, I think it's, no, I don't like either. It's going to be going to be a rotation of two guys um you know so jacob phillips will will probably be that third guy um and i'm really looking for jok to, to make a similar sort of jump like i was talking about with greg newsom this year in his, in his second season um so yeah I, I i think really the strength of the organization is you know the 
the secondary. And, you know, you want to keep as many of those guys on the field as possible. Um, so I hope this is the season that, you know, Joe Woods really gets to, to implement his three safety um, plan where you know, he's never really had three healthy safeties um, and see what that looks like, you know? So um, JOK, I think is on the field all the time. Um, and, you know, then Walker and Phillips kind of probably rotate. So from a, a linebacker standpoint, I, I think we've got plenty of depth. Yeah, I agree. What, what do you think, Wojo? Pretty much the same. I, I, I think the, the thing that I keyed in on with Jeremiah Wusukormoa maybe is maybe he's the guy they're hoping maybe can help cover a bit of the slot at certain points as well when they are in base because that, you know, that, that becomes his role and Newsom will be on the outside because that was what he did at Notre Dame. He was a he was partially a slot corner at Notre Dame. So, I'm very curious to see how they utilize him. He he was a jack of all trades weapon that can do so many good things and we saw it. So now it's like, ah. ooh, what are they going to do for this guy to make him go like even better than what he was cuz he was amazing when he played last year and just exciting to watch on the field. So, I I want to see even more of what they do with him. You know, Seon Takitaki is going to have his role. He's, you know, uh, a thumper. You know, they they utilize him a lot in stopping the run. Very much a strong, you know, a, a strong side linebacker. And then I think Walker and Phillips, they'll find ways of getting Phillips onto the field and trying to learn from Anthony Walker. And hopefully, you know, hopefully uh, Phillips will take over the role for Walker next year is what I think their plan is. You know, unless they they just don't believe in Phillips anymore after a certain point, because we're going to get to the point where Phillips is towards the end of his contract anyway. You know, we're down to year three. We'll have maybe one more year of Phillips on a cheap deal. And then what do you do beyond that? Tony Fields, I want to see, you know, if they if he even stays on the roster this year, you know, they made a big effort to keep him last year. We'll see how healthy Mm -hmm. he is. You know, he came in with an injury. Um, it sounded like he was Jeremiah Wusukoromo is like drafted backup. So maybe there's a strategy and a plan to how they want to build this defense that deals with, you know, these quicker uh, linebackers who can cover. So I'm, I'm kind of more intrigued to see what the actual finalized scheme is supposed to be. Like you're saying the, the four, two, uh, the four, two, five kind of situation, you know, they want two linebackers on the field. I, I'm more intrigued to see how they utilize Wusukoromoa if they try to get Ronnie Harrison and Delpit and John Johnson all on the field at the same time and what that strategy is with all of that. And I, I do think their base is probably going to be nickel and dime. I just don't know. I want to see how it kind of finally looks at the end of the day. Yeah. So Jeff, let me ask you this. We, we talked a lot last season about the Browns having three strong safeties on the field. Um, you know, with uh, right. with Delpit and Johnson and uh, Ronnie Harrison. Um, you know, R- Richard LeCount um, really flashed in, uh, you know, in, uh, in the preseason games, you know, last season, and then kind of di- uh, disappeared into the doghouse, okay? Um, <laughs> how much better would this team be, you know, if, if they had a true – uh, free safety out there and then the other the three strong safeties could uh, or could kind of rotate um, somewhat you know um, as far as playing time goes a little bit you know I, I don't know if you um, I mean these these guys can do more than just play strong safety obviously but 
Um, right. What What are your thoughts on that? I mean, I, I well, just feel like if they have a, a, a true free safety out there, I mean, LeCount looked, and, and I'm not saying he's going to be able to come in and be better than any of these guys right off the bat, but there are times when you need a, a real, you know, a true free safety on the field, and it, and it showed last season. Right. You know, I think you and I are more accustomed to that positionally um, based on, you know, our historic experiences of watching the NFL and how, how those positions were manned. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, 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 we've been kind of beating that drum for a while now that, you know, let's go out and find us a true free safety. And I just think the, the, the drafting of Martin Emerson um, sort of tells you the direction that, that they want to go with that, that, you know, they're, they're not really looking for that responsibility out of their safeties. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe it's, you know, maybe it's a different combination and, and the, the versatility that guys like JOK bring, uh, you know, opens the door for you to just handle that in different ways. So, um, they'd rather have three or four think, corners out there is the answer. Right. 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 So that, that's, that's how you, that's how you cover the wide receivers, right. Is, you know, if, if they're. If they're going to three receiver, four receiver sets, you have those extra cornerbacks who are really, you know, that's that's their bread and butter, you know. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe the maybe the days of a true free safety, as you and I know it, um, are sort of in the past. And you know, defenses just work differently now. They they and the ability to to have that versatility with guys on the field, move them around, and sort of disguise coverages is more valuable. You know, than than someone who can really play that role. That makes a lot of sense. Um, Wojo, what do you think? Well, I mean, also when you look at Joe Woods' system, they played a lot of two high safeties, and you know, like you're saying, they probably don't need a true quote unquote single high free safety. Although I will say, I think you know, maybe that's what Delpit ends up being. You know, I think Delpit now that he's finally healed up. You know, I know he's listed as strong safety uh, on a lot of depth charts, mm-hmm. but I think the final form of Delpit, what I like, what I remember him coming out before, you know, all the 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 Achilles injury and before he had the bad year where he's playing injured, uh, was this ball hawking kind of dude who can make some crazy tackles, and and then then there was the issue of then the following year he couldn't tackle any, but like he was having tackling question marks, which is why he fell the second round because he's playing injured. Um, yeah. I think LeCount has a lot of the free safety in him. I think I, I think I'd rather see Delpit at free safety than John Johnson. John Johnson seemed to work at free safety when he was more of a rotational guy when they were playing a lot of two high coverages and, and rotating them down. And really when he was going ahead and covering tight ends and covering guys in this, you know, and, and being more of a uh, a coverage piece than necessarily the like more of a. Uh, a, a man-to-man coverage piece than a you know single high guy or a, you know trying to 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 make sure nobody's throwing over you because I don't I don't think John Johnson has the um I I, I think I don't think he has that range that I think Delbit might actually have that I'd be more intrigued at seeing what Delbit ends up being or what LeCount ends up being so yeah. I, I I think again they run a lot of too high safety anyway. It's really more about getting, you know, now you're, you know, you have a lot of these guys who have been in the system now for two, three years. Now you can rotate guys. Now you can kind of create real problems on the back end. 
that they weren't able to do because they didn't have the consistency. You know, Ronnie Harrison was injured last year. You had all different guys who got injured last year at different points. You know, you had Delpit, who was basically on a second. You know, he was on like a, a gap year and then came in after the Achilles. He was coming back from an injury. And then you had John Johnson, who was really his first year in that defense, even though, yeah, he's played in the NFL before. Now you have some cohesion. I think that's going to be the difference maker there. I don't think it's necessarily who's going to play what role. It's what can they do with communication and now that they know what everybody does well, what can they rotate guys to do? Yeah, I think that's a great point. You know, the, the JJ3 um, was really uncomfortable last season. He looked it, you know, on the field. Um, didn't really settle into a role because there were so many guys that weren't there. They kept, you know, asking different things of him that he never really, I think, fell into a comfort zone. And, you know, for a top four paid guy on your team, you need to put him in a situation where he's going to excel. Yeah, yeah and I, think, yeah, I agree. I, I think um, I, I think having the consistency there, knowing that Delp is going to be in his you know, second year, second and a half year of this defense and. John Johnson towards the end of last year showed up a lot better than the beginning of last year. So I think that consistency, yes. knowing what they do well, um, I think all those things will work for them. Ronnie Harrison is kind of a guy who they, okay, we know what you do. Um, stop getting in the fights on the sideline and getting ejected because <laughs> we needed you that game and you got tossed out. We like don't need was, a 15-yard penalty. Right. Yeah. Right. So you, you need, you know, you need him to not get into those kind of things. And but now I think because they're all looking at it like, hey, you know, last year we were all kind of a a lot of them were injured last year. There was a lot of injuries on defense last year at different points. Yeah. You know, you, you know, for the Browns, I think they hope that they're all a lot healthier and they come into it and they have a lot more consistency. A.J. Green, I'm very excited to see because a guy who when he was on the field, you know, Everybody's talking about Emerson, but AJ Green played really well when he got to get on the field and was and was shutting guys down. He was starting to play better than Greedy Williams, and Greedy Williams was a second round pick who had four three speed. Yeah, I mean, it uh, would not yeah, surprise me at all if AJ Green beat out Greedy Williams. Yeah, I well, mean, I we're, think it, we're going I, five or six deep on the uh, corner <laughs> corner uh, uh, depth chart right now, guys. But that that's that's cool, isn't it? Yes. Oh yeah, deep. Yeah, guys get hurt. Definitely, definitely. So, um, so let's uh, let's let's do this, and then we'll uh, get some closing remarks, guys. Let's um, let's let's have uh, everybody name two guys on defense who are the key players for this season. Um, you know, guys who who you think need to step up this season. Um, you know, for for the season to go well on defense. Um, Jeff, why, why don't you go first on this? Okay, uh, and I'll, I guess I'll approach it the same way um, as the offense last week. Um, I think JOK is the guy that, that we need to see elevate his play to a Pro Bowl level, which I think is, is definitely possible. Um, and if he is that guy that's flying all over the field and, and doing all these different things, it's going to add a whole nother dimension to our defense. Um, you know, just like we talked about needing David and Joku to step up and, and get to that level as well. Um, yeah. For the Kareem Hunt equivalent, I'm going to go a little bit outside the box here, but um, I think the guy who's going to bring the fun on defense is Perry and Winfrey. 
Um, as the season goes along, we're going to see him be the guy who is that spark that, that brings the big play in uh, for the defensive line and just keeps everybody loose and, and does what really what Kareem does on offense. So those would be my two guys that I'm really going to have an eye on. Uh, Wojo, who do you have? Um, trying to go with something different. Well, first off, Tommy Togiai. Uh, you know, you mentioned Perry and Winfrey. I think Tommy Togia is going to be the difference maker on that interior D line. Uh, when he did finally get to get on the field, when they finally got rid of um, Andrew Billings, and they were like, "Hey, we're actually going to start like having Tommy Togia as part of the active roster." Uh, I think we saw some real, like we we saw moments of Tommy Togia. Um, and maybe he's the run stuffer that they need. You know, he he looked like a very good run stuffer uh, when he was coming out. Um, so I think that that's going to be a guy who, if he steps up, that's going to be the difference of that defense having a major issue and a slight issue or no issue. Like, again, it's that interior D line is going to make or break some portion of that defense. Because um, a lot of these guys already know are, are, are some level of good. Greedy Williams, it was decent. Uh, but again, we don't have to really rely on him. Greg Newsom was really good uh, when he was held. You know, everybody's kind of been like, uh, you know, John Johnson. I think Delpit's the other guy. I think Delpit, if Delpit shows what Delpit looks like he's trending towards and he's healthy and he's good, Delpit and Togiai can make this defense like a finalized, really good form of if they take one more step forward than maybe what I'm expecting. Like, I'm, I kind of don't expect much from Togiai. I'm expecting basically what I saw last year of Delpit, maybe a slight step forward, but if he, takes, if he takes a full step forward or more than what I'm expecting, that could be the guy who could be, you know, a difference maker. You know, with, uh, whereas, like, I'm, I'm not expecting John Johnson to take a step forward. I'm expecting him to do what he was expected to do. I'm expecting a lot of these guys to keep doing what they were doing well. So those two guys, I think, are, are, are big deals, I think. And guys, it's uh, we've been going a while, so I'm not gonna like try to keep thinking of new guys because you guys just keep naming my guys over and over here. So my apologies. I <laughs> <laughs> well, I had Perry and Winfrey down, and Jeff named him, <laughs> and then uh, you know, and then I I wrote Jordan Elliott down, and then and then you went with another DT. So I'm like, all right. Um, anyway, I think I, I really think that the Browns need one or two of those guys at DT to step up. Um, you know, they need production out of the, out of those guys, whether it's Winfrey or Jordan Elliott or Togiai. They really need somebody to show up and give them some consistency at DT. So uh, take your pick there. But I, I love the pick of Perry and Winfrey because I think he is going to bring some fire to the team. And and I had um, and I had Grant Delpit down because I think I'm hoping that we'll continue to see, you know, growth there um, with him. You know, I think he grew tremendously last season just coming back from that injury. And uh, like you said, Wojo, if he's if if they can actually move him more to playing the free safety when when that position needs to be played, so where it puts other guys into their more natural positions, um, it could make a big difference. And he just looked like he had a lot more to give. Uh, so I'm really looking forward to seeing him grow. So. Um, but honestly, guys, I think we could name pretty much any two guys on the starting defense. Um, a lot of talent there, a lot of guys who could step up and, um, you know, make the defense 
look really good. So I'm excited about it. Excited about the defense. So guys, let's let's get some closing remarks. Uh, Wojo, we we appreciate you uh, coming and spending some time with us. It's been fun. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate you having me. I, I appreciate you reaching out. It was great. Um, I always have fun talking to you. Um, and you know, it, it, you picked the 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 most fun time of the year where it's the it's the dead zone. But we still ended up having a lot of things to talk about. Um, yeah. I you know I I think at the end of the day it's kind of we'll, we'll find out more as the it, it all kind of rides and dies on that suspension. That that's kind of the unfortunate thing. Yeah. Um, but the brilliance of it is that defense, I, it's an exciting defense. Um, I think I was, you know, I, I think when I was looking at this defense, even, you know, at the end of last year, I'm like, the defense is really good. If everybody came back healthy, you know, for defense and offense, I was looking into this offseason kind of excited. So we'll see what ends up happening as we continue to move forward. But uh, I appreciate you guys having me on. Absolutely. Um, give him a follow at bro joe death punch uh jeff closing remarks or thoughts yeah you know we, we we've now talked about the offense a little bit the defense a little bit we'll go into a lot more detail as the roster sort of shapes up but um what, what we didn't mention was the special teams and i think what's going to carry us through the early part of the season assuming there is some sort of a suspension for deshaun watson um is going to be our kicking game and I'm super excited to see what the young kid York can deliver for us and hope that he can turn into the type of weapon that we need in a kicking game. Uh, man, that will just make everybody's life so much easier if we can win close games early in the year based on our defense and being able to kick field goals. I, I mean, I almost can't even imagine that, but it's it's going to be great. <laughs> <laughs> All been right, a long guys. time, hasn't it? It's been a long time. <laughs> yeah. All right, guys. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, this has been the Browns Blitz, and we will catch you next time. <laughs> <laughs>